Zatujcie. 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 Welcome to the Blind Podsman. We are a podcast dedicated to all things at Tuichi. I am Patrick, and with me is my co-host Jason. Hey, Patrick. Hey, Jason. So we are back from uh, a a unplanned vacation of just uh, a bunch of stuff coming up. <laughs> um, I think we're, our last episode was before the election, so I'm assuming the uh, the existential dread I imagine both of us uh, experienced might have halted the show a little bit. It is a whole new world. Yeah, is it is a show. very it's a very different world we woke up in, and uh, but luckily your Zatuichi podcast stays the same. So, um, how have you been, Jason? Um, uh, just celebrating holidays with family, doing a lot of traveling. That's kind of what held me up. Um, so all that planning, and really just looking forward to getting back to these films. Because upon watching this most recent one, Fight Zatuichi Fight, the eighth in the series, I was starting to forget how fun these were. So I'm glad that we're back into this. Yep, uh, eighth film in the series is uh, tonight or tonight's movie is the eighth film in the series. Uh, 1964, the third, the four movies from 1964, Fight Satoichi Fight. Um, I was actually surprised by how much I enjoyed this movie because um, the cover is Satoichi with a baby, and the plot uh, the plot consists of Satoichi trying to reunite an infant with a. Uh, its father after uh, after his mother passes away uh, very suddenly. It's actually I, I would say it's one of the darker ways that Zatoichi movie has started is uh, a woman dying and then uh, essentially orphaning a child. Um, so when you say, oh yeah, this is uh, Zatoichi carrying around an infant for the whole movie, I was a little bit um, pessimistic about it, but I actually ended up enjoying it quite a bit. <clears throat> Because I, I kind of stand by the uh, the philosophy that kids ruin everything when it comes to movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess I could see that perspective. Like, I grew up watching kids' movies, of course, so uh, I'm a bit partial to the nostalgia of some of those films. But I've heard this argument before, and, and yeah, I guess you could say that there's some skepticism with it. And we kind of saw some of this before with... Um, a previous Satoichi film entry where he's in charge of a baby for like about 15 to 20 minutes of the film, like taking a, this toddler down a mountain. I believe that was Chest of Gold, uh, which was the first of the 1964 Zatuichi films. So there's a trend of like Zatuichi the babysitter uh, that we're seeing in this year. Um, I guess it's something that <clears throat> the filmmakers just want to try out. Uh, they just want to put opposites together like Zatuichi is this drifter trickster um expert swordsman who kills most of the people that he meets so why not put a kid with him and you know surprisingly for um for being this this movie being Zatuichi with a child for 87 minutes um there was a pretty considerable amount of action especially with that kid present and like I said, uh, this movie actually had a bit of a darker, t- like it would kind of go back and forth from having a darker to lighter, uh, darker and humorous tone 
mm-hmm. um, especially considering there's not one, but I think three P jokes in this uh, in this movie. Yeah, yeah, an astounding amount of P jokes. They really just leaned into that angle. It's like, hey, kids can't control their piss, so we'll just see how that works for these for this comic gold. Pardon the pun. But it was, I, uh, I cut. I kind of wonder. I'm sorry. Oh, I was just asking. What'd you catch? Oh, I kind of wonder if that's like, um, like a like in terms of like comedy in that region. If that's like pretty common, because I think piss jokes are like very common in Asian films. Just like how like flatulence is like the funniest thing in the world to you know in England. But um, I'm just wondering, like, if that's just like like getting pissed on is just like. Like, basically, like, the being hit in the face pie gag over there. It may have something to do with having an infinite of film. Because I, I know that there's been, like, some uh, comedies from America that have utilized that one to the fullest extent. Or maybe just to, like, the extent that, like, the diaper-changing scene, which in this case is the first time it happens in this movie, in Fight Zatuichi Fight. Um, somebody's changing the baby's diaper, and... Zatuji gets hit in the face uh, with a stream of urine. I think something like that happens in either one of the three men in the baby movies or Look Who's Talking or one of those like late 80s, early 90s, uh, uh-oh, here's a baby comedy films that were popular at the time. I'm sure it's happened a lot in real life, too. Yeah, 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 for sure. Probably a lot um, of new parents had to deal with that. The child is uh, the child's urine is also utilized as a weapon when uh, the uh, the lady thief that Zatuichi is with has the child pee off of a balcony onto two vigilantes. Yeah, the two wrestlers that are there are uh, wrestlers. I'm sorry. Well, they become vigilantes because they immediately want to beat up the uh, uh, Zatuichi's companion there that you just mentioned, uh, Oyo, who is helping take care of the baby halfway through the film. Um. But they settle the beat on Zatuichi instead. Or Zatuichi, rather, like, uh, lends himself to take a beating because he knows he can he can hack it, you know? Yeah. Um, but also, uh, this movie has, um, I think, in terms of, like, big uh, final conflicts, I think this one has the most ambitious one so far with the Ring of Fire. Yes, um, I feel like we need to talk about this one immediately because it is the most stunning part of this film. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty awesome. Like, especially when um, I think Shintaro Katsu is actually being burnt <laughs> when that's happening. They're, uh, it, yes, they're yeah, they're hitting them with those with those uh, lanterns. Like when I'm when I have seen fire stunts in cinema, it's usually somebody like escaping a burning car or a burning building and. Most often, it's like a horror film or some kind of like film where that's that's where it's taking a darker turn, and it's usually like a fireproof suit. So it's a it's a human body just encased in flame, and it's only on there for a few seconds at a time. And you can, and you can see that they're wearing very heavy like clothing and like gloves and stuff. Yeah, and if you've watched any stunt shows in like the past fifteen twenty years that show you how these stunts are done. They're only having this active, This these uh, flames are only active for just a few seconds. And then the stunt person will hit the ground and crew members come in with um, uh, anything to put out the flames, like 
uh, fire extinguishers, things like that, blankets. They're trying to extinguish it as quickly as possible so that person can like get oxygen again. And that's like a full body flame thing. So it's that's what they usually go for, and it's very controlled. In this case, like you were just saying, like Zatoichi gets surrounded by what appears to be like his this kind of threatening, always looming group of assassins that are out to get him uh, from the they start are of the hunting film. Him. They are hunting him like vultures. Like, yeah. they've basically, the, the beginning of the movie consists of a blind pilgrimage um, where you're introduced to a group of wandering blind men who you see a couple more times throughout the movie. And um, a, a group of assassins who, for unknown i mean obviously they're being paid but for unknown right. reasons are hunting zatuichi and there's kind of a i am spartacus moment where all the blind people say their name is ichi yeah yeah like oh i'm ichi and i'm ichi this and i'm ichi that and yeah there's this assassin group is determined to find this guy but they give up on the pilgrim uh, the uh, blind pilgrimage which is actually harboring zatuichi it's just that they're very good at hiding him amongst these uh, guys and the entire group gets a kick out of playing a joke on sighted men. Um, so that's that's a funny way to start off the film. Uh, but still very tense. And like you say, it's immediately jumping into that uh, I am Spartacus moment, um, which is interesting in itself. So this uh, th- this group of assassins finally catches up to him at the end. And as a means to distract him they use fire against him which we have not really seen like we saw a hint of fire in flashing sword but that was that like playing with candles and doing a uh, um just being in control of that situation in this case yeah they all have like these tiki torches in a circle around him and not only is the noise of the flames throwing him off but he's getting hit with these flames and his clothes are burning, and the camera does not cut away. It, it, it no, is as I, it's as it's, like disturbing to watch as the uh, the ending of uh, Red Throne. If you've seen that, where it's um, uh, 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 I'm losing the name of the actor now. It's a Kurosawa film, so Toshiro uh, Mifune. Oh, yeah. I was gonna. I was about to say, is it a uh... Miyafune. <laughs> yeah, it's Miyafune playing basically like a Macbeth character. This was uh, Kurosawa's take on Macbeth. Um, and he's finally losing his marbles at the end. And he's like, whoever thinks that I'm uh, corrupt and uh, done with, go ahead and cast the first arrow. And his own crew starts firing arrows at him. And very similarly, like the camera's not cutting away. Mifune looks terrified, and with good reason, because there's arrows not only pelting the wall, but also his person. And when you look at shots of that film, there were these expert archers on these cherry-picking mechanical raises that were firing arrows into him. They were blunted arrows, but they were still going into this armor that he had. It is terrifying. And so is this scene. Like, I hadn't felt that way watching a movie since since then and up until like watching this uh last battle where uh to is getting like just lit up he's on yeah. fire <laughs> and you can you can tell like even outside of him acting like uh that he was really getting injured because there's there's actually one scene that really made me cringe where uh 
someone stuck a lantern underneath his armpit and it holds there for a second before like he realizes where it is and he kind of like pushes the guy away but you could tell that wasn't like that was him actually doing it not just like zatoichi the character like he was really getting lit up and um it's really uh you know, they don't mess around too much with these older Japanese movies. Like, I mean, there wasn't really, like, stunt doubles or anything. Like, there were, but, I mean, they weren't, like, being utilized at this point. Um, it's very obviously Shintaro Katsu being, like, in the scene, too. It's not a stunt double, and, like, it's... You can't really fake flames, so... It's a, it's a really tense scene. I think it's... I, In terms of... Uh, in terms of work for... These uh, confrontation scenes usually are at the end of the Zatoichi films. I think this one probably was the most unique. Uh, definitely, prob- definitely the hardest one to pull off, that's for certain. Yeah, I, I don't know if we'll see anything quite this intense going forward. Uh, again, not knowing a ton about the films that are ahead of us. But this is easily the, the most intense one that I've seen. Well, I guess next to that... Um, Oh shoot! Which one had like the the one where he's being pulled by a horse? Oh, that was on the road, um, where he was uh, going up against uh, his uh, in real life brother, who um, would. Uh, funny enough, uh, this movie was directed by Kenji Misume. Who also Mis- did the first Misumi, one, right? Who did the first one, and uh, this might be a proof of concept for one of his later films, which right. is the Lone Wolf and Cub series. Right. Yeah, I was trying to figure out if this was a trope that was popular, uh, the lone samurai or lone swordsman um, taking care of a child or a baby. And uh, we don't quite see it again until like 1970 when the Lone Wolf and Cub manga shows up, which then springs forth the uh, 1972 through 76 movies, or excuse me, 72 to 74 uh, movies and then of course like the shogun assassin which is just a redub right roger corman uh recutting all the movies into i think there was like three or four shogun assassin movies uh, one I'm of the main sure one that. it focuses a lot on like uh the second or third um but anyway yeah it this was uh, an earlier concept of it at least that's what it seems like um but overall i you know, I, I'm actually very surprised at how okay I was with the fact that um, the fact that like this movie was pretty much just an escort mission for the entire uh, for the duration. Um, it, like like I said earlier, the movie starts off with uh, Zatoichi in a blind pilgrimage, and he's being pursued by um, the group of assassins who would pretty much haunt him for the rest of the movie. And it's funny because. Um, despite the fact that there's like three or four instances of him fighting these assassins and killing like five, I think five dudes at a time or so, the group just seems to be getting bigger. Um, actually the reason because of that is, uh, of course, uh, they kind of, I believe they end up teaming up with another, uh, Yakuza gang in the middle of the movie. They recruit whenever they can. There's like a recruitment scenario, like towards the middle of the movie. Um, where they're trying to find some common ground and believe the assassin group leader um, leans on the issue of saving face or uh, keeping pride among one mob boss who's been affected by Zatoichi. And then later on in the film, um, we find 
the destination that Zatoichi was headed towards, uh, that person that he was trying to meet up with turns him away and uh, has wants nothing to do with the kid that Zatoichi claims is his. So not so much a point of pride, but a point of notoriety. Like this person is just a slimy guy who wants to move up in rank in the Yakuza. Uh, getting rid of Zatoichi would definitely do that. So he's getting yeah, it's too. Re- it's revealed that Onosuke, the uh, the the father of the uh, infant child, um, had actually essentially sold his wife into indentured servitude to get rid of her, so he could marry into the Yakuza family. Um, and Ot- Otoyo, um, the names in this movie get really confusing because he uh, named Oyo or no Oko. So you have Otoyo and Oko, and uh, Oyo. There's also Oyo. Oyo. Yeah, Oyo is Ew. the uh, so, is yeah. his uh, love interest in this one, or a companion, I guess. There's not really yeah. not a lot of chemistry, although she does kind of fawn over him towards the end. Um. um yeah. So uh, th- this woman collapses on her on her way back to Miyagi Village her husband is um zatoichi is uh initially had actually um stopped and helped this woman who collapsed before and then um the two men that she was that uh she was with go and find him because he's close by uh at once she actually falls down and dies um it's never exactly said how she dies she just kind of well i believe she just Oh wait, no! They kill. Oh, I'm sorry. The assassins kill her. What yeah, are we talking it's, about? It's the uh, Zatoichi is is seen by the assassins as getting into a. I think it's called a Kanzo. It's essentially like a uh, a cab carried by uh, two carriers, and they convince Zatoichi to be a fare to where he's going because it's their home base of operations. So they've taken a a fare to this city and they they don't want to come back empty-handed they want to keep making money and they lower the price down further and further and finally zatoichi gives in because he's being hassled by these guys and the price is too good but uh they come across this woman like you say who's collapsed on the ground holding this infant they're like and zatoichi just willingly gives the the uh the cab to her says yeah take her the rest of the way i can walk i didn't really want this anyway um so the assassins don't see the trade-off, and everybody's totally unaware. Zatoichi has no idea he's being uh, tracked this closely by the assassins. And they run up to the uh, Kanzo and end up stabbing through it because it's shaded. They can't see inside and mistakenly, in their case, uh, murder this innocent woman who was who managed to save her child. Jason. Yeah. Oh, sorry. No, you blanked out for a second there. Oh, no problem. I um, I just went through and talked about the rest of that. I'll get the timestamp down here. Um, so uh, Zatoichi uh, reads her. I, I guess it's a, a promissory note, pretty much, saying that she paid off her debt. Yeah. And um. And agrees or decides that he wants to take the child to uh, Miyagi Village, 
to return return him to uh, his father. Um, so essentially, uh, you, you begin. The, I mean, this movie is just uh, Zatoichi's journey with this child to to reunite him with his father, which of course, as we know, doesn't go according to plan. Um, along the way, he encounters uh, these assassins multiple times throughout the uh, film um, what uh, actually a uh, uh, way that they kind of use the baby is um, sort of a set piece is Zatoichi um, takes out I think four of these dudes while he's changing a diaper yeah which there's... is a oh sorry go ahead oh, there, yeah there's that scene in a abandoned shack right right and then there's a later scene after uh, we're back to gambling scenes again. He's trying to earn some gambling. Uh, he's trying to earn some money by gambling and uh, hopefully get some some cleaner diapers. He's been like using discarded flags and scarecrow garb and all that stuff to to make diapers for this baby. So he ends up in a gambling den. Um, they try to trick him. He shows them up. He wins hard. They send goons after him. And he takes out the goons while finally getting this baby to go to sleep. So as he's slicing through these guys after having like laid the kid down gently, he does this. It's like that kind of humor, darkness, and uh, a bit of light all mixed into one that you were talking about earlier. Like, it's kind of absurd that he's knocking these guys down, like cutting them down. But then he is looking out for the best interest of this kid. And then in this moment of darkness, like he does this weird, like shush to the camera. Like he's shushing the entire group of these men that he just murdered because they're groaning and gasping for life in their final moments. And it just kind of quiets down. It's really creepy. (laughs) The entire thing. And there's like, is there another scene that's kind of like that where he's got this kid and he's cutting down some folks? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> he's not changing a diaper, but the child's asleep and, uh, basically dispatches, uh, a group of men as quietly as humanly possible. Um, I think we might actually be referring to the same scene, but where a man is dying and he shushes him. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, there is, there's, uh, multiple scenes of him uh, attempting to dispatch these assassins while he, you know, the child's in his possession. Um, you know, I, I didn't realize how volatile ancient Japan must have been because uh, when he meets up with the lady thief, um, Oko, uh, and she attempts to steal a wallet from a samurai, um, the samurai offers to kill her for, well, Satoichi poses as her husband and then um, initially the samurai is like, your wife is a disgrace, let me kill her for you. And I'm like, oh, that's pretty extreme. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we've seen anything like that um, yet in these films. So that was wild. Yeah, uh, women get it real bad in this movie. Um, <laughs> um, considering that like the, the, the child's mother was uh, basically sold into as collateral to pay off a debt. And then, yeah. of course, Oko almost gets murdered because she stole a wallet, which is a pretty 
Um, I mean, you know, it was a pretty, like, not worthy of death offense, especially considering Zatoichi returns the wallet immediately. Um, he, of course, dissuades him by taking a piece of paper and slicing it into three pieces and saying he should write their uh, post-mortem names on it, at which point the samurai uh, realizes that at least probably the single person in any of these movies realizes that they can't beat Zatoichi and sort of just <laughs> angrily brushes off. Um which then leads Oko to just quietly say, go jump in a lake to the guy, which I thought was really funny. Yeah. Yeah, that was a great sign-off uh, for that scene. <laughs> just, like, under her breath as they're walking away, just like, yeah, I told you so. <laughs> just, like, one of those one of those things that we all kind of do when we've walked away, when somebody stood up for us or we've stood up for ourselves. We yeah, you that, better run. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you better run, man. Um... There, uh, you know, there's a, the other thing is, um, which I think is kind of this, I don't know if this was intentional or just kind of left out, but did they ever say exactly why the Monju clan was the, the assassins, like who paid them to kill Zatuichi? I didn't I know catch they, it. No, I wasn't able to catch it. Cause I know that they end up, uh, teaming up with, uh, the Hungoro clan and, um, uh, they was just kind of like, hey, you want to help us kill this blind guy? And they're like, yeah, sure, why not? And um, it's just kind of like at this point, you just have random people trying to kill Zatoichi for whatever reason without really there being like a stated purpose aside from they're just being paid to. Um, which I guess in any other context and like a lot of like Western movies, you would almost think that there was like some like shady um, organization or like some kind of like person like in the shadows paying like these groups to kill this one dude but in reality like they're just they don't really explain why because it's not really relevant i guess you, you just needed basically like their whole existence is just to have like somebody for zatoichi to kill throughout the movies <laughs> or throughout the movie yeah especially that last guy like he had just met zatoichi uh by way of zatoichi trying to return all this guy's possessions like even a kid it's like here's your kid here's your wife's lock of hair here's the notes that were on her person and onusuke is like get out of here i want nothing to do with you i'm going to be a kuza boss and only after that the manju clan head comes by and says hey do you want to kill that guy you just met and he's like yeah why not <laughs> that's it's very yeah it's laissez-faire like yeah that sounds good we'll just we'll just kill this guy it's very like um, it's very easy to get murdered in ancient Japan, as it turns out. Like you could just get killed for just existing. Just somebody asking you, uh, or just somebody asking someone else if they want to kill you, and they're just you know have nothing to do that day, and they're like, yeah, why not? Yeah, um, yeah. Or like, hey, your baby pissed on my head. I want to beat your wife up and kill you as well. <laughs> so, like with those two wrestlers <laughs> at the end. Um, I did want to come back to that though because there's a there's another interesting special effects scene there when those two wrestlers are beating up Zatuichi. Uh, again, another single camera shot, like an extended shot, where they're being on uh, uh, Shintaro Katsu, and then like throw him towards the camera into this obstruction, into this rock. And 
you know, you get your head thrown into a rock, it's going to cause some damage. And there's a little bit like a, a stunned motion there. He's obstructed by the rock. But when he pulls his head back, he all of a sudden has this blood like on his nose and cheek around his lips. Yeah, it's um, it, it's uh, I, I wish there was more material like available for like kind of the behind the scenes, um, the behind the scenes uh, aspects of these movies because I'm wondering just how beaten up Shintaro Katsu got throughout like the uh, the duration of filming these movies because that's a that's a pretty serious injury too. Yeah. Um, yeah, and no doubt like and there's I- makeup and whatnot that they put on him, but they're like hitting him super hard and knocking him out. Those punches are coming pretty close. But, um, the fact that they got that blood on his face, it reminded me of a chest of gold when they break a bottle on his head. And it's only like while he's talking that like some blood starts trickling down his head from that same shot. I'm still wondering how they did some of this stuff. I don't know, man. I'm kind of ki- I'm 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 sort of in the school of thought that he maybe took these hits like in real life. Oh, uh, okay. So it's like a pro wrestling thing then, where he, like he had a hidden razor blade or something. Well, but at the same time, I think with I think with the uh, the rock scene, if you remember, he kind of it looks like um, when he falls down, it looks almost like his head is just kind of in an. Uh, like an opening of some kind i think there might have been somebody like behind the rock and they just splashed fake blood on his face and sent him back out right right there's there's something very um uh staged theater about some of these films that we've seen like it's not like modern movies where they'll try to do a cutaway or something like that or change camera angles um it's always impressive though like i think it's cool that they're able to do it flawlessly and keep going with the scene for as long as they do it's I mean it's a long concentrated shot i i have no doubts that he has taken a beating or two like throughout the uh filming of these movies though especially like we said it at the end with the ring of fire yeah like, he definitely you can't got burned that. right <laughs> right um <laughs> and those are the most threatening tiki torches i've ever seen in my life because i'm usually used to the ones that just have like a canister in them that you light up and it's just like a little candle right i'll never but, look um, at them the same again <laughs> man that was such a cool scene like i can't stop thinking about it like that whole confrontation was so awesome that was rad and i also really dug uh the cinematography throughout this film and of course the music the music again uh our boy akira ifukube um but back at it back at it but doing something totally different like he has this haunting theme that sounds like off of it's david bowie's low album it's that sort of electronic um three-tone melody that just kind of escalates and then will go back down very slowly and sadly and it what do you what do you have it's a it's a dark movie i mean like even with like the little bits of comedy like zatoichi essentially uh because of zatoichi this child's an orphan (laughs) i mean yeah yeah exactly um, (laughs) like this kid is uh involved in numerous murders i mean like zatoichi i think the body count in this movie might be a little bit higher than the last ones too um it's a you know it's not it's not as like 
for being like a movie about a guy and a baby, like it's pretty, it's a pretty like heavy film. It's pretty bleak. Um, yeah. The rejection, the rejection that, uh, obviously because it's a baby, he won't know this, but I mean, the fact that like this kid's father essentially rejects him, um, you know, and then tries to kill the one person in the world who does seemingly care about him. I mean, it's, it's, it's wild, you know? Yeah. And you're absolutely right, too. It's like Zatuichi effectively makes orphan, makes this kid into an orphan uh, by killing both of his parents. It shouldn't be funny, but it is just so awkward and weird in that sense. Like, it's so fatalistic and uh, dramatic. It's almost like a, I was going to say like a classic tragedy, but, you know, it's its own, it's its own course of tragedy. Um, And uh, the, the music really adds to it. It's this one haunting theme that permeates throughout. And, um, of course, like, it, you know, the movie does end on a down note, like all Zatoichi movies, and, you know, he meets someone who's interested in him, um, and pretty much walks away. Um, just walks off into, into whatever new adventure he's going to come into. Yeah, and also purposefully avoids the blind pilgrimage uh, that he hears coming for the last time. Like, it's the third time in the film. They're there at the beginning. They appear in the middle when things are kind of hitting a a good point. Like, he's hit a stride with this uh, companion of his, Oyo, who's agreed to help take care of the kid rather than try to steal from him or anything like that. And then at the end, when he's essentially, like, yeah, made this kid into an orphan has to give that up, uh, rejects Oyo to move on, and then sees that pilgrimage one last time. He's He doesn't even, like, he purposefully hides from them, uh, knowing that if he made any sound or proclamation, they'd want him to join them. And he have to explain, oh, I just killed 30 people, and yeah, that kid is a, he's an orphan now. That, that kid is condemned to a life of living with mountain monks. I mean, exactly, <laughs> yeah. Um... Yeah. And also, like, he, you know, he, of course, does grow an attachment to the child. I mean, like, from the very beginning, he had this kind of parental attachment to this kid. And, of course, you know, when he's walking off, he starts singing the lullaby that he heard the woman singing by the river. Yeah. Um, And another scene that was uh, pretty hard to watch. I'm not talking about the breastfeeding scene when he's trying to nurse the kid. I didn't know what yeah, to think of I, that one, but there's... I totally, I totally forgot about that. Like where he yeah. just he's trying to breastfeed that kid. He's trying I, to like, I've, yeah, I've heard, and I can't confirm this because I don't, I've never asked anybody if they've done it. I've heard that it is a thing that, um, some fathers have tried not obviously because they can't feed a child, but it's just kind of a comfort thing for them. Right. The child, not the father. I personally think that's super weird, but I, I mean, of course, like there's, I'm sure you could find numerous blogs about it. Um, it, I do think it's super strange though. Um, but I can't really confirm it cause I, I only know a few dads and I've never asked them, Hey, have you ever tried to breastfeed your kid? <laughs> right. I don't think there's a good way to, to, uh, break the ice on that one. You know, I, I'm asking for research purposes. Yeah. I don't know if that works. <laughs> But I'm asking like, for my podcast. For my podcast, <laughs> could you could you uh, lend some pro tips, Daddy? Uh, yeah, I don't think 
is a good way to breach that subject. But I, I, at least for this film, and for like the only other film I can think of that comes up is like, well, not film, but um, plays. There's Grapes of Wrath and Streetcar Named Desire. And, uh, but it's nothing like this. Like, none of those involves like a guy trying to breastfeed a child that's going hungry. Hey, that Grapes of Wrath thing, man. You know, those are hard economic times. Yeah, tough <laughs> times. Going out west to pick some plums. But um, <laughs> but yeah, it definitely expresses the desperation and the uh, the distance that Zatoichi is willing to go for this kid, which again is you know a little bit hard to understand, but it's really cool in that regard. I, I think I think almost in a sense it was meant to be comedic too. Um, yeah, I was thinking that was supposed to be also, but it just did not seem funny. Again, with that music in the background, I was like, this is is this sad? I can't tell because <laughs> the the other the one other time I've seen that in a uh, um in any kind of comedy was a, an old episode of Family Guy where uh, Peter tries to breastfeed Stewie and Stewie wakes up and starts to like gag. He becomes horrified. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. there was that, but then there was the more um, emotional scene. At least for me, it was uh, when Zatuichi sends Oyo to get a, a kimono so he can dress the kid up and present this kid to his father for, because at the time he thinks that his father is still waiting on a wife and child. Um, and he has this moment alone with the infant that he hasn't really had for a while. They're comfortable. They're in an inn and the camera has got this placement that reminds me of like some of uh, Ozu's films. If you've seen any of those, he did all those like uh, uh, Japanese family at home, uh, very subtle, very oh, domestic uh, Tokyo films. story. Yeah, you like mean to- Tokyo. Story. Yeah, right, right. Um, and the camera placement's very familiar because Ozu was trying to go for like a very familiar sitting stance that you would take at anybody's home, and that's where this camera is for this scene. And it's it's something just like very. Uh, very simple. Is this uh, Shitaro Katsu like kind of cooing and talking to this kid? And the music cuts in again, and he's saying like, you know, I'm I can't remember you because I can't see your face, but maybe you can remember me. So he has like this kid's hand like touch parts of his face, and it's kind of even difficult to talk about because it's so sad because <laughs> you yeah, can hear him choking it's... up when he's doing it. He's like. You know, this is my mouth, he's my, this is my nose, and he gets to his eyes and kind of gives up on it. And it's just this... It's, it's I, I would say undoubtedly, it's probably like, this probably might be like the most emotionally charged Satoichi movie. Yeah, um, yeah, easily. Fun yeah, fact about Ozu, uh, died on his 60th birthday. That is a fun fact. <laughs> you folks like to laugh. <laughs> <laughs> You've come to the right place. Uh, uh 60th birthday man um but yeah um overall what are your what are your your final thoughts about uh about fight zatuichi fight which is a way more exciting title than the uh a lot a, a way more exciting much more chippier title for what you end up watching <laughs> yeah yeah um this might be my favorite zatuichi film it's definitely not one i would recommend for somebody who's trying to get into the series 
Um, if they like what they saw with like maybe two films, I'd say, well, now you got to watch this one. So I'd probably line this up as like a third installment if they're looking for suggestions. Um, and a lot of that has to do with like, again, the music and, and the pacing of this one. I thought the pacing was excellent. Um, the simplicity of the story, the special effects, and also the close-ups. They use close-ups a lot in this one uh, to a really great effect. Like, it just looks excellent each time it's these super close zoom-ins on character faces. Um, so I thought that was really cool. And, yeah, I I really dug this one. I ended up watching it twice, actually. Oh, wow. <laughs> Um, I, I, this is definitely one of the, uh, especially cause I, I, it's been a little while, but I don't remember being super impressed with flashing sword or chest of gold. I think flashing sword was decent, but I remember chest of gold being kind of a drag. Um, but, uh, this is definitely, um, this is definitely one of the better Zatoichi movies. Uh, like you said, I, I don't think I could recommend this to somebody like first coming into the series. Um, but it is absolutely a must watch. Um, I mean, there, there are 26 of these movies. So, um, but overall I, I find, uh, I found this one to be probably the most mature, uh, minus the P jokes, but, um, uh, probably the most mature of the Zatoichi movies. I think, um, you get to see while without sacrificing the spectacle and the action that these movies tend to bring, you get to see a, a more, a very human side of Zatoichi. Um, probably more so than you do in the previous films. Um, like I said earlier, the ring of fire scene is probably like one of the coolest, like endings to, uh, to a, to as uh, pretty much any action movie I've, I've seen in a while. I mean, like just like the intensity and how, uh, not fake it was. Um, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty amazing. Like the kind of like discipline and like, uh, work that like these like old school Chambara actors would go through, um, like for instance, almost being lit on fire. And actually, while we were recording this, I I rewatched that scene, and the uh, the scene in particular where I mentioned that he was being burnt on the armpit by a uh, torch goes on a lot longer than I remembered. So <laughs> right? yeah, um, these shots are uncomfortably long to be on fire for that long. So. Yeah, and there's multiple scenes where you could tell they had to cut because they had to put him out because they were like his entire. There was there's one very quick moment where like half of his back is on fire, and <laughs> yeah. it just seems like they keep going. And um, I I think that uh, I think that this this movie is finally achieves that sort of perfect balance that I think they were going for, whether or not they maintain that throughout the later films or not. I think this is the one that does it of, uh, um, of character driven narrative and, uh, action and, you know, sword fighting action. Uh, I don't, I don't know if it is my favorite one. I'm still really, really, really fond of new tale of Zatoichi. Like, I kind of still see that as the gold standard of Zatoichi movies, but um, mm. I think it's definitely up there. I would say maybe number two. Yeah. That's but, uh, yeah, I I would say definitely go watch this. I don't know if it's still available on Hulu, because I know Filmstruck is out, so I don't know if they pulled all the uh, 
Criterion movies off of Hulu, but if you have a Filmstruck account, it's on there. Maybe we can get sponsorship and get our own accounts. <laughs> I actually checked it out on Filmstruck. I'm trying the trial of it now. It's a little bit extra to do the Criterion thing. Like, they do it in these uh, uh, pay scale, or not pay scale, but these uh, different levels of payment. Oh, so, God, really? Yeah. Yeah, you can do, like, a basic package, which is just general cinema, and then the, you, if you tack on the Criterion collection, it's like three extra dollars or something. So that's a, it's eh, it's something that's a little, but the streaming yeah, quality was great. Like it looked awesome. There's no problems with it, and um, yeah, I'll probably check out a few more on this service. I um, I'm a little surprised by that because I I actually am not very surprised because uh, Ariana, my my wife, who you know, Jason in real life, I do. Um, <laughs> She uh, she got me a a 4K television for my office for oh, Christmas, wow. and uh, I got Netflix 4K, which is like an extra two bucks a month, which isn't terrible, but it's like limited to like maybe like ten or twenty titles, and it's all original content, and like it's just I I kind of hate that we're getting to the point now where like um, these streaming services are starting to like cost more and more by tacking on all this extra stuff that doesn't seem like it's worth it. I mean, two extra dollars a month isn't terrible, but, uh, like, at the same time, it's like, well, you also have Hulu, who's all, like, you can have a little less commercials for an extra three bucks a month. Yeah. And it's not even, like, commercial-free. It's like, we'll just show the commercials in the beginning, and that's it. And it's like, well, that's just as bad, really. I mean... Yeah. Um, that's kind of lame about Filmstruck doing that. How much is the initial like package, like just right off the bat? Because otherwise, I feel like you're just paying for like TCM and that, like just streaming TCM, and then you pay extra for the Criterion Collection. Pretty much, yeah. It's about um seven ninety nine or eight ninety nine for the basic package. Um, so it's all the TCM curated stuff. Oh, so it's like ten bucks for the Criterion package. Yeah, or ten ninety nine or eleven. Like that's yeah. not awful. I mean, like Hulu by itself now is like ten bucks, and I think like Netflix is ten bucks. So I'd love yeah. to get Shutter if it was available on like anything that I used. You know? Yeah, there's some streaming services that are just hard to hard to reach, and then some that like, well, yeah, take advantage of it. So it's interesting how it's working out, but uh, so far, Filmstruck at least has a great quality to it. Um, plus they include all the bonus features, which I don't think the Hulu, uh, partnership did. Oh, really? Yeah. So they include all the, that's, that, that is very different. Yeah. Oh, so you're basically getting Blu-ray access. Like you can get like all the special features and stuff. That's really neat. I've never heard of a streaming service doing that. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Um, do we have a blind leading the blind this month or this week? <laughs> um, no, not this week. Nope. Uh, I got one planned next 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 episode though. Okay, so, cool, cool. Um, so uh, yeah, that does it for the final uh, blind podsman of the year. We'll be back in two weeks. Um, you have anything you want to say to sign off 2016? This absolutely wretched year. <laughs> uh, chin up, keep moving forward. Uh, fight Zatuichi, fight. Um, take care of yourselves. Uh, take care of your friends. 
uh, hug your family a little harder, uh, and, uh, you know, just, uh, try to smile is what I have to say. Yeah. Just just remember the world, you're going to wake up and the, uh, the sun will still be out because, well, we haven't figured out how to destroy that yet. (laughs) That's, That's right. So until we do, I'm Jason. And I'm Patrick. Good night. おきちゃんのロネストキタトキニャ目先が真っ暗になっちまう目先が花から真っ暗だよ風に追われた さすらいものよ死んでゆく時は一人一人旅 若な奴らに手向けてやろうか俺の情けの子守子守